how many drafts do I need? How many revisions do I have to make? Well, that depends on you. Welcome back, beautiful writers. I'm Autumn Bardot, and here you will find quick tips, author tools, and hopefully even a little bit of inspiration. So before the conference that I attended about two weeks ago, I was doing a whole draft by draft kind of explanation. And I think I left off at the second draft. So now we're gonna go back and we're gonna look at the rest of the drafts. And the rest of them really kind of depends on you. So not fixed. As always for these kinds of videos, the show notes will be at Club Autumn. That is my Facebook group. It's in a PDF. It will all be there right for you because I am going to give you a lot of information and it's going to be fast. So pour yourself that second or third cup of coffee, sit back, take a sip, click go and follow along. What do I do after my very intense second draft? And I will put the link for that video in the description box below. I revise again. I've read on Facebook and other platforms that writers hate this. I actually love this. To me, this is the, the chewy, delicious part of the writing process. Just the fine tuning, the nuance of it that I, I just love. I don't know why, and I don't ever seem to get tired of it. Thank you, Muse. With the third, fourth, and fifth and subsequent drafts, I want to polish my manuscript so it, it glows from within. I pay attention to words and I pay attention to all those little details. I look for that smudge and I buff it right out with words or less words. All right, ready? This is how we do it. Number one, I tighten the sentences. I ask myself, can this be shorter? Are there better words? Does the scene need more sensory detail? The birds twittering interrupted or jarred my conflicting thoughts? Hmm, I'll debate over that for quite a few minutes. <laughs> and what I debate in my mind about is the feeling that a reader gets from interrupted versus jarred. I think I went with jarred, then decided jarred was too jarring and went with rattled because I like the juxtaposition between the birds twittering in the sentence and that sensory detail of rattling, of rattled thoughts. Two, how I replaced what I call the no information words. Words like amazing and huge and awesome. These words don't describe anything. How amazing what? What exactly is amazing? How big is big? Bigger than a stadium? Bigger than a bread box? This is where I think of better words, better descriptors or metaphors that give the reader a visual of how big big is or what exactly is amazing about the amazing thing. Number three, am I showing not telling? He was tall versus something like his frame filled the doorway. 
that gives you a much better visual. I was angry or my jaw clenched. See the difference? Four, do I delete words like asked after a question? I mean, if they ask something, you don't need he asked because that's what the question mark is for. So it's kind of like, I don't know, redundant? Number five, did I get rid of all the unnecessary saids or say? I have a whole video on said and say and better ways to say that as well. And you know, it. yeah, that link will be in the description box below as well. Six, did I ditch unnecessary adverbs? Instead of saying something like, are you going to the party too? He said excitedly. Are you going to the party too? He blurred it, his eyes bright with surprise. Seven, do the sentences flow? Mm-hmm, flow. Do I trip over them when I read them aloud? Are they awkward? You've read them, you know what I'm talking about. You wrote it and it still reads awkward to you. They just don't sound right know what you need to do. Yeah, you got to fix it. Number eight, am I reading a phrase or word too often? We all have our words, just that. So I do a word search on those and then I just try to get rid of most of them. And that's with any word I feel like I keep reading. I just put it in the word search and I'm like, oh, oh, 30 times. Yeah, no, no, I can do better. And sometimes this takes a while. Number nine is just line edits. That's things like comma placement. Do I have too many or not enough? Does the lack of a comma change the sentence's meaning? So pay attention to those commas. Often what I see with newbie writers is way too many commas in the wrong places and not the commas where they should be. If you don't know where your commas belong, just go Google commas. It's pretty easy. And once you get the hang of it, you'll be like, oh, why was I putting a comma there? I tend to use ellipses. I like them. I like the feel of it. I like that, you know, dot, dot, dot. And ooh, what's going to happen next? But I overuse them. I know that. So I check all my ellipses. I do an ellipses search. Did I really need the ellipses? Yeah, probably not. <laughs> I get rid of any semicolons that creeped in there. I write academic papers too, and you know, they're great for academic papers, but do I really need a semicolon in a novel that I want to be a page turner and, and read fast? Yeah, mm, probably not. Typos, yeah, they're like gremlins. And the further your novel gets to its final draft, the more, careful you have to be about when you fix the typo your computer doesn't jump somewhere and give you another typo i'm very very careful about that's or i try i check things like your y-o-u-r and your y-o-u apostrophe r-e u-r the problem I find with the, the two spellings of your is that sometimes I just type it wrong and then my computer autocorrects and they autocorrect it incorrectly. Oh, the irony. I also check it's and it's with the apostrophe. Remember, it's with the apostrophe is 
it is or it was. It's not possessive. If you don't know your it's and your it's, <laughs> go check it out on some great grammar sites. There's lots. And if you don't remember, just have that be like front and center or somewhere where you can keep jogging your memory until it sinks in. Do I need to split one paragraph into two? Readers tend to like what's called white space on a page. That's, for example, here are my notes. It has a lot of, of white space. And a lot of times what readers do, if they read a block of text, I mean, this is eight by 11, but if they read a block of text on a book, that gets like, I think that looks like a little bit textbooky and a hard read because your go, your eyes are going back and forth and it's harder visually. So I wanna make sure I have enough white space. So sometimes I break up the paragraphs just to give it that look of a faster read with more white space. The other thing I look at is a, a versus the. So a versus the, a lamp versus the lamp. A uh, just really means like anything, a pair of glasses, but the pair of glasses gives it a different feel. So these things matter. I check my thes and my uhs. Tense shifts. I tend to do this. I will write books in past tense and present tense. And sometimes I will change in the middle. If I don't know why or change it up. And so then I have to change all of my tenses. So I pay a intense attention to my tenses because if I'm writing in present tense and there's a said I'm like how did I do that I ditch the perfect tense that's not active voice I had never seen such a gorgeous sunset Ugh, get that hat out of there and gorgeous yeah that's another word that doesn't tell me anything how about the setting sun glowed orange and pink on the horizon. So that's my edits. So we're gonna go back to 10. Did we do 10 already? My notes say we're at 10. I check that the chapters end in a way that makes the reader want to read the next chapter. Often it's a hook. Sometimes it's just something unfinished but that's what makes a book unputdownable is those hooks. Like every sentence is a hook, every chapter is a hook. You want to find out what happens next. Number 12, and I know this has a name, but I can't remember what it's called, but it's like, maybe I wrote that she sat down in the chair twice or she stood up twice and I got confused so I check things like that so if she sat down in the chair then the next thing she either needs to do is get up she shouldn't sit back down in the chair she can cross her legs you know we're using action for the dialogue so sometimes we just do it twice I always check that and that stuff I often don't really see or my brain doesn't comprehend until I'm reading my drafts much faster. When I read my draft slowly for the second draft or the third or whatever, I'm reading very slowly and I kind of forget what I read 10 minutes ago. When I'm reading at a faster speed, I can check those. They're more obvious to me. Also, beta readers are good for catching things like that. They'll say, wait, she said that already. He already slammed that door. 13 is characters. 
Are they consistent? Are their quirks and mannerisms consistent? But also they can't be repetitive because if they're always doing the exact same thing, then that just gets old because it's the same phrase. So finding a fresh way or a different way to kind of explain if they have a, like a particular quirk or something that they do when they speak or walk or whatever it is. How many times are you gonna say she flipped her hair or she twirled her hair? It gets old. Are my characters clear? Are they obvious? Does the reader get a sense of who they are? Now, I do those things in my third draft. I also do them in my fourth draft, reading a little bit faster with each draft. The fifth draft. Now, this is where I think, okay, I am, I am seeing the finish line. I am heading for the home stretch, but I don't rush. I don't rush. It's not a race. You want to make everything glow and be polished and shiny. Fifth draft, I'll usually think, there's no more typos in here. And I'm always wrong. Either the fifth draft or the sixth draft, depending on how I'm feeling about it, I put on the read aloud function on my Word document because I use Word and I have a Mac. It's really slow. It's really boring. I have to really pay attention. I usually put my headphones on when I do it and I just listen and oh my gosh, I'm finding typos, more typos. Where did they come from? Where did all the typos come from? My sixth draft, I read on my iPad. It's right, it's a smaller scale. It's more book scale. So I'm reading the sentences in more of like a book format. And also I can still see if like a, there's too much of a big chunky paragraph or sometimes just shifting the words around helps your eye see more problems. I don't rush. I don't do this when I'm tired because I miss things. That's it. Six drafts. I don't think I normally go past six. Maybe I'll send it to my formatter. My formatter will give it to me as a ebook, and then I will put it up on either my phone or my iPad and I will read it again. And invariably, I find more typos. Mm -hmm. Then I change those, submit those, she redoes it. And hopefully by then it's ready to go up on all the different platforms. For my traditionally published books, I wrote about three drafts and then I send it off to them and then they are the ones who find all of the typos and things like that. But there's still never that many. If you like this video, you learned something, you got a few good ideas about what to do, please give it a thumbs up and drop me a comment. If you haven't already, I would love if you would subscribe. It's like totally free, uh, nobody emails you, nobody bugs you. It's just that when you subscribe, YouTube puts it out to the YouTubeverse. I hope you will join me next week when I'm going to discuss why your book cover sucks. It's gonna be some tough love, that's right. As always, writers, dream, create, and embrace. Bye-bye.